Cheers! I'm so delighted to be back. This is season seven on Fashion Love Stories, my beautiful darlings. And it has been uh, a pleasure for six seasons now sharing my beautiful love stories with you, my fashion love stories, my spirituality and uh, all the fantastic high vibrating things in life. Um, I was born in Greece, uh, raised in New York City, studied at the Fashion Institute of Technology and worked uh, in the fashion industry uh, in New York City. Uh, Versace, Bergdorf Goodmans, and uh, Susanna Galani's jewelry, Age of Gods. Currently, I am uh, venturing into podcasting, uh, also art and uh, uh, design as well, other than jewelry. So stay here, and uh, during the season, you will find more things about me, and we will share um, beautiful stories together. Stay well. It's Monday morning in New York City. Hello, my beautiful darlings. Another week, another episode. In this episode, I'm going to discuss one of my favorite brands. Historically speaking, after Prada, that is historically my favorite collection of all collections, and I wore Prada a lot and still do, especially the accessories, not so much the clothing, the accessories I like. Um, the next collection that I really loved and I worked for them temporarily is Gucci. I absolutely love this collection, this design house, and uh, I'm going to speak to you all about Gucci today. We're going to start with the history of Gucci, the origins of Gucci, the Gucci family, the scandals and all that. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of uh, what happened, how they started, uh, all the twists and turns of the family, and... Uh, how the company became uh, what it is today. It went through a lot of ups and downs. Uh, they almost uh, bankrupted uh, the company when um, one of the descendants from the um, uh, creator of Gucci um, decided uh, to expand and to grow drastically and to really overspend. I'm going to tell you all of that. Uh, there was even a murder in uh, the house of Gucci, uh, a very famous murder. And um, also how the company um, at the loss, um, the point of where they almost lost everything uh, because it's, a, it's, a, all, it's an old luxurious company. It's an old luxury brand. So from being huge they almost lost and then they turned around with uh, a new designer a new management and all that and it's it's a story of um, how businesses can go up and down and also when uh, you're down um, it's very possible um, as the example here to go up and up they went so um, currently they have a new creative director Sabato de Sorno that I'm going to tell you all about it he recently showed his um, spring 2024 collection and he showed a very confident very uh, clean bold yet pared down pared down collection uh, that I absolutely like I didn't like the a few years before that and uh, all the embellishments and uh, maximalistic looks and the mixes and uh, it was not my style I'm going to tell you all about uh, that as well uh, I'm very excited about what the collection is uh, 
what direction is going right now with this new designer is definitely on trend because the trend is uh, more minimalistic more classic and more pared down the luxury industry is uh, kind of uh, going through a downturn uh, these days and um, the companies that are doing very very well is the companies that uh, are producing recession core pieces or pieces that are timeless and luxurious great quality and they are investment pieces without the mega logos uh, uh, the subtle look the more elegant look understated look where people do not uh, flaunt their money uh, and um, they're very very uh, classic uh, clean understated looking uh, this is the trend uh, so I'm going to tell you all about that and uh, uh, we will go over the collection uh, with a new designer that uh, is brand new, the one I just mentioned and um, I'm going to give you my, uh, my thoughts about the collection, okay? So I'm very excited about uh, the Gucci story. back it is now Monday afternoon November 23rd the time is 3 15 p.m. I'm in New York City and I'm loving doing this podcast because I absolutely love these Italian luxury houses after all I was working for many many years for Versace and then for many years at uh, Bergdorf Goodman in New York, who is uh, known to be the best uh, retailer of luxury products, designers um, in the world. Um, I was working for eight years over Versace and eight years at uh, Bergdorf's. Uh, the four years they were overlapping. I was working at Bergdorf's for Gianni Versace, but then I moved uh, into the corporate office. And... Um, I, I stayed there for four years, so eventually I came back and I was working for Gucci. <laughs> and this is the company that I'm going to tell you all about today, Gucci. Now, I was there by accident. It was not my desire. I was uh, looking for another job after I left um, Versace because I was the women's couture manager and uh, I loved my job. And after Versace passed away and after the September 11th uh, drama and trauma in New York City I left the company and I was looking for another similar situation but nothing was happening so I went back to my former employer Bergdorf Goodman and at that time I was offered to be uh, a sales associate slash stylist at the um, Gucci department and I loved it because I love the collection however it was not my passion at the time my passion at the time was creating my jewelry collection what which I was doing but being there and being exposed and um, in this luxury world and uh, um, meeting the luxury clients and uh, the stylists and the celebrities and all that uh, helped me so much to introduce my own um, collection it was not a calculated move I was there by accident but it was a very fortunate move because uh, I was looking to work for another um, another uh, company such as Versace. So I was interviewing with uh, Prada, Gucci, um, Givenchy, but nothing was happening at the time due to the timing. It was bad timing, and therefore I, I started uh, creating jewelry to just ha- have fun and uh, be creative. And uh, the rest is history. Everybody loved it. But the fact that I was working at this uh, luxury world, uh, the luxury scene, uh, helped me so much with uh, connections and uh, having the platform to introduce my jewelry by accident. Again, it was not calculated, but it was a very fortunate accident. And I did um, introduce the Susanna Galani jewelry to the luxury clients and it was the best thing that ever happened to me so this is the time i was working at burgers and i was working for gucci at the time and uh, i'm very fond of gucci because it coincides with uh, my jewelry success and my 
next love and passion which was the jewelry design and I and I was doing that I'm still doing this but uh, I took a little break so I'm coming back with another another collection pretty soon but uh, I was uh, doing this for many many years and it was the love of my life so it was associated with Gucci because this is where I was when it, where, when I introduced my jewelry collection to the world <laughs> Susanna Galani's jewelry so I'm very very fond uh, I still have some of the clothes I was wearing and uh, some accessories and I'm treasuring them because of sentimental reasons number one number two vintage is back so I'm enjoying some of these things that I likely kept I have however sold a lot of my pieces which I regret I regret selling my Versace and my uh, Gucci pieces in any case let's uh, stay at the Gucci topic because this is what uh, this podcast is going to be Gucci my darlings uh, that's how you pronounce it Gucci Gucci it's an Italian luxury fashion house and it's based in Florence Italy its product lines include handbags ready to wear foodware accessories and home decorations and it licenses its name and branding to Cody for fragrance and cosmetics under the name of Gucci Beauty. Gucci. Gucci was founded in ni- in 1921 by Guccio Gucci. He lived from the years 1881 to 1953 in Florence, Tuscany. Now Gucci had children under one of his sons, Aldo Gucci. Gucci became a worldwide known brand, an icon of the Italian at that time in the 1950s, the Dolce Vita period. Now the Gucci family, there were there were a lot of um, uh, feuds and um, a lot of drama and a lot of. Uh, fights between the cousins, the children, eventually the two children of uh, Gucci Gucci had children of their own, so there were, uh, I believe, uh, four cousins, and there were a few feuding because they had different uh, opinions, different views, so in the 1980s, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of uh, betrayal, family betrayal, A lot of family drama, so in the 1980s, um, the Gucci family was entirely ousted from the capital of the company. It was around the, I would say, 1980s, early 1990s. So the company had a crisis, they almost went bankrupt. The bank, the the company was revived, I'm sorry, not the bank, the company was revived uh, around the late 1990s. Um, Now, when I was working at Bergdorf's, there was a a head of a company, I don't remember her um, position, I think she was the fashion director or the CEO, I'm not sure. Uh, Dawn Mello, but she had a very prominent position at Bergdorf's. Um, she was eventually working for Gucci at that time. Uh, she was snatched, because she was very talented, to revive the Gucci brand. So Gucci uh, became a major eat brand uh, at that period during the Dawn Mello years. The company was revived. This is when uh, Tom Ford was hired and he became the creative director of Gucci and it became the sexiest, the hardest, the 1990s, the 2000s, early 2000s. So it became um, a major collection. It was a major revival. It uh, went away from the logos and the classic uh, branding, the the double Gs that we all know for. Uh, Gucci the company and then he brought the sexy uh, the sexiness in and uh, Tom Ford really was um, a new blood infusion into the company 
new energy, new style, and it was the best thing that ever happened to Gucci. And the rest is history. Gucci began the mo- one of the most prominent companies in the luxury world. Uh, uh, currently, it's owned by Karen, K-R-I-N-G, the company. So it's a multi-billion dollar company, and I'm, gi- I'm going to give you some of the 2019 Gucci figures, but right now there are a lot more. Uh, they operated by the year 2019, 487 stores. They had about 18,000 employees, and their um, volume in uh, retail sales were in the billions, I would say around 9, 10 billions a year. Eventually, they hired after Tom Ford uh, left uh, another major designer that um, really, really, really created a big uh, energy for the company, Alessandro Michele. And this is when the company became huge again um, until 2015. Uh, actually, from 2015 until November 23rd, 2020 until the most recent uh, last year uh, he really uh, attributed a lot of um, Gucci success to his um, creations and his creativity they... I'm going to tell you more about Alessandro Michele here because he was a major uh, part of the Gucci's success so I will tell you more about that and eventually uh, now in the current collection um, it's about Odessarno, the, the most recent designer. I'm going to tell you more about him. Um, uh, the new creative director is Sabato Odessarno. I'm going to tell you the last collection that he showed recently for Spring 2024. Uh, 2024. I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to give you more in-depth uh, information about Gucci's history and then we'll take it from there it's now a few days later and it is saturday afternoon in the magnificent and very much sunny and hot new york city yes we're having um, an indian summer and it feels so good it feels like summer and um uh, we are experiencing the best version of uh, NYC and I'm not complaining, it's just beautiful, beautiful. So let's go back to Gucci. What I'm going to discuss with you right now is share some information about the birth of Gucci, how and where it happened and uh, who was involved and uh, the timing and the time of, uh, of the year and all that, uh, the location and uh, the early days of Gucci. The founder was Gucci Gucci. Let's go back to the Gucci family. The Gucci family claims that its origins are rooted in the merchant city of Florence. Uh, back in the year 1410, Gucci Gucci. He was born in 1881 and he passed away in 1953. So he was the father of Gucci. So he left Florence for Paris. And eventually, he settled in London in 1897. He was working for the luxurious and high-end Savoy Hotel at the time. Um, He was a bellhop. So while he was working there, he got to meet the very affluent uh, international uh, people and uh, uh, the high class, uh, the upper class of people that they were traveling and they had the funds to do so. So he would load and unload their luggage. Um, all these wealthy clients were uh, an inspiration for um, uh, Gucci Gucci to, to gain some knowledge about uh, their taste, the fashion, the quality, the fabrics they liked, and their traveling uh, styles and conditions. So it was uh, an introduction to luxury at that time. Um, Eventually, he left that company and he went to work for another company, uh, a European rail company called Compagnie de Wagon Lit. 
and that company was specializing in upscale travel again and leisure and here again he enhanced his experience with luxurious traveling lifestyles so after world war one he worked for uh, the maker of uh, a fine luggage company called franzi so he did have a lot of uh, experience and exposure in this field that he eventually created a company okay so he had definitely the inspiration and uh, the work experience and exposure in 1921 Gucci Gucci bought his own shop in Villa della Vigna Nuova in Florence he at that time was selling leather luggage okay at the same time In the early 1920s, he opened up a small workshop uh, to have his own leather goods made by local craftsmen. Eventually, that business grew and a larger workshop had to be acquired to house Gucci's uh, 60 artisans. So that was in about uh, the year 1935. Um, it was also the time of World War One, and so the invasion of Ethiopia by Mussolini led the League of Nations impose a trade embargo on Italy. So that left him without leather accessibility. So it was very scarce. Um, here's uh, when uh, Gucci Gucci was pushed to introduce other fabrics. Of course, he has seen that before in his experience while other people were traveling. So he saw the different options. So here he introduced uh, he introduced fabrics uh, such as uh, raffia, wicker, wood, linen, and jute. The rombi motif, a Gucci signature, was created at that time. Uh, the Gucci's developed a new tanning technique to produce. Uh, Guillo Grasso, which became a Gucci trademark. So in 1937, Gucci launched its handbags, 1937. The whole family was working there at the shop. Aldo, one of the three sons of Guccio's, Guccio Gucci's son, Aldo, um, he specifically became increasingly involved in the family company. He had started working there in 1925. So, 1937, now around that time, he convinced his father to grow by opening new shops. And here he suggested to open up a store in Rome in 1938. And here they launched more Gucci accessories such as gloves, belts, wallets, and keychains. And eventually the World War II showed up uh, in Italy and uh, they had to wear with the Italian infantry as well. So they were producing boots. So the company made handbags. Here, where, here is where the Gucci signature look is developing. The company made handbags of cotton canvas rather than leather during World War II as a result of material shortages. The canvas, however, was distinguished by a signature double G symbol, the Gucci logo. And that double G symbol was combined with the prominent red and green bands, which is another signature um, logo branding uh, look. Okay. After the war, the Gucci crest, which showed in shield and armored knight surrounded by a ribbon inscribed with the family name, became synonymous with the city of Florence. So that was before the war. So now we go after World War II. So after the war, Guccio Gucci distributed the shares of his company to his three sons. Their names were Aldo, Vasco, and Rodolfo. Are you familiar with these handbags that have the bamboo uh, handle? They're like purses with a short 
curvy bamboo yes that's the signature handbag and i love i love to have one of those so in 1947 he launched the bamboo the bamboo bag so that goes back to 1947 that classic signature looking bag so at the same time the brand launched its first global tagline as part of their marketing which said quote quality is remembered long after price is forgotten end of quote the very famous iconic moccasins which are the famous gucci loafers were launched in 1952 okay so in 1953 Gucci opened up uh, its first store on 5th Avenue and 58th Street in New York City. A few months uh, after the opening, uh, the end of this, that year, Gucci Gucci, uh, I'm sorry, Gucci Gucci died on January 2nd uh, in 1953. So in November 1953, they opened up the first store. So he passed away right before they opened up the New York uh, business and exposure in uh, the magnificent uh, and classic and stylish New York City, which was the ideal place to be and open up stores. A second store in New York City, a shop, um, opened in St. Regis Hotel in 1916, a few years later, seven years later. And in 1973, a third store opened on Fifth Avenue and 54th Street. So New York City was uh, labeled the Gucci City after all these uh, uh, Gucci uh, exposures and uh, retail stores that they were available. So yes, Gucci was uh, here in New York. Now, going forwards, after the 1960s, in 1961, uh, they opened up uh, stores in London and also in Palm Beach. At the same time, it was um, the beginning of the 1960s and uh, Jackie O was uh, the famous first lady uh, of the United States, the wife of the president, uh, JFK, and uh, she was wearing Gucci. She was one of the... Uh, celebrities uh, and style influencers over the time so they launched to honor her uh, the Jackie bag going on in the 1960s by the year 1963 Gucci opened up its first store in Paris near Place Vendôme Um, there is a very famous double G logo belt that we all have one, including myself. Um, but uh, the origins of that bag was in the year 1964. It was a very important accessory for the House of Gucci. Also, another very famous uh, scarf or a print was the Flora scarf. And of course, they had it in bags eventually. And... Um, but uh, it started in 1966 by Rodolfo Gucci and Vittorio uh, Vittorio Acorneto uh, and they created the Flora scarf uh, they designed it uh, in 1966 for the famous now Grace Kelly who was the princess of Monaco and the most important along with Jackie O style influencer of the 1960s she became a notable consumer of Gucci products. In 1968, the end of the 1960s, Gucci opened up a store at Rodeo Drive in Hollywood. So many stars from Hollywood at that point endorsed the brand. At that time, the brand was very, very happening, so it was the launch of Gucci dresses, 1960s, around the end of 1960s. So they were very, very successful in the United States, and eventually this led to its global development 
in Asia now, okay? So by the year 1972, they opened up a store in Tokyo and 1974 in Hong Kong and eventually in the Middle East. In Brussels at the same time, Aldo, Aldo's son actually, it's Aldo's son, Roberto, piloted the first Gucci franchise store. By 1969, Gucci was managing 10 shops in the United States. By that year, 84,000, here are some numbers now, you get to see the production and the volume the brand was uh, having, uh, selling actually, uh, 84,000 Gucci moccasins or loafers by 1969 they were sold in the United States alone um, the US president at the time in the 1960s uh, JFK called Aldo Gucci the first Italian ambassador to the United States <laughs> So that was very interesting. He was that famous. In 1970, Gucci launched a Rolls-Royce luggage set and partnered with American Motors Corporation, AMC, to create the Gucci version uh, of the AMC Hornet that was marketed during the 1971, 72, and 73 model years. Um, Gucci eventually launched perfumes um, and watches and many franchise stores in the United States, 1973. Uh, they opened up the Gucci Galleria in Beverly Hills. They opened up in 1977 a private art gallery, adjoined to the store and reserved to premium clients who were given a golden key to access it. So a lot of all these high-end um, uh, services and luxury uh, offerings uh, to preferred customers, they were happening at the time. So. In 1978, from the years 1978 to the years 1984, a Miami-based uh, coach builder marketed a Gucci edition of the Cadillac Seville sedan. So this um, model was exhibited in 1978 at the Gucci Museum. In 1985, the Gucci loafer now, the most famous uh, moccasin or shoe of Gucci, which they're doing now as well. Uh, we have to come back to the new collection, what uh, is happening now, but um, they reintroduced uh, that shoe as well. So um, uh, the Gucci loafer became part of the permanent collection of the New York uh, M Museum of Art, uh, the, the, the Museum of Modern Art, MoMA, I'm sorry, Museum of Modern Art, so it's part of the permanent collection, this is how influential um, uh, the company, the brand was in uh, the American culture and overall in the world as well, so it was huge. So we're living the 1970s where all these expansions and exposures and growth were happening and we're coming down to the decade of uh, the 1980s. This is where a lot of feuds within the family, the brothers, the cousins, uh, the backstabbing, the disagreements that were all happening. So, so here, here is how the story goes about these family feuds uh, and how this affected the family business. So in 1969, Giorgio, the son of Aldo, so now you remember that uh, Guccio had three sons, one of them was Aldo. So Aldo had a son named Giorgio in 1969. Um, he sparked the first family feud by launching Gucci boutique of his own, which was finally reabsorbed into the family group in 1972. Uh, during the 1980s, the Gucci saga eroded the family uh, and the family held top management of the company and there were a lot of 
headlines about different scandals and feuds uh, within the family at the time. Paolo Gucci, son of Aldo. So now we go back to the third generation. So, no, actually, yeah, the third generation. That was the other son of Aldo, Paolo. So we have Giorgio, and then we have Paolo now. Uh, these are the grandchildren of uh, Gucci or Gucci from his son Aldo. Paolo tried to launch the branch Gucci Plus on his own. Aldo was criticized for developing most of the international business under Gucci America, which he owned in 1982 to ease tensions in the family. The Gucci Group was consolidated and became a publicly traded company. Gucci o Gucci SPA. So in 1982. In 1983, Rodolfo died. His son, Mauricio Gucci, inherited his father's majority stake in the company and launched a legal war against his uncle Aldo for full control of Gucci. This uh, prosecution, led by the city prosecutor at the time, Rudolf Giuliani, uh, with Domenico del Sole representing the Gucci family, he was the attorney. Mariccio Gucci took over the company's direction. Yeah. So in 1983, Aldo Gucci, now he was 81 years old, with only 16.7% of Gucci, uh, left in his possession was sentenced to a year in prison for tax evasion. Rumor has it that in prison he was uh, roommates uh, with Albert Nippon, another designer at the time, who was there, I would assume, for tax evasions as well. The artwork uh, at the Gucci Galleria was liquidated and in 1988 Maurizio Gucci sold almost 47% of Gucci to the Bahrain-based investment fund Invest Corp. Um, uh, that was the owner of Tiffany at that time. Despite the family disputes between 1981 and 1987, the sales of trademarked Gucci products reached 400 million. And um, in the year 1990, they reached 227 million in one year or a few years. So the company was really growing because they had a lot of trademarks and they were collecting money from there. In, 19, in the 1980s, um, the whole decade actually were characterized uh, by a mass production of Gucci products, um, which generated huge revenue. But all this availability of products, they negatively, uh, negatively affected Gucci's position as an exclusive luxury brand. Too much exposure, too much um, uh, trademarks. Um, so this is where a very famous woman, who happened to be at the time uh, uh, the uh, working for Bergdorf, she was, uh, I think she was the director or the CEO of Bergdorf Goodman in New York. Uh, they hired her to. Um, put everything back, you know, to create and uh, reinvent and uh, save Gucci and uh, bring Gucci back to its glory and uh, make it another uh, luxurious uh, brand again as it was, as it was, as it was initially, as it was intended to be. So... From the year 1991 to the year 1993, Gucci's finances were still in the red. They were losing money. They were not doing well financially. Maurizio Gucci now, and he was the 
the major ser- uh, shareholder. Uh, he was blamed for spending an extravagant amount of money on the company's head- headquarters in Florence and uh, Milan. And uh, yeah, he was not very good with uh, the finances of the company. So Invest Corp bought the remaining 50% uh, from Gucci Gucci. And um, I'm sorry, from Gucci Gucci SPA and from Maurizio Gucci. So by the year 1993, the family was no longer involved in the Gucci group, okay? So they were not owning anything, they had sold everything. And here we come to the most um, dramatic uh, part of the Gucci saga. Uh, We come to the year 1995, and this is where Maurizio Gucci was shot dead in the lobby of Gucci's uh, Milan office and it sent uh, shockwaves throughout the fashion world. Um, his ex-wife Patrizia Reggiani was uh, the one that uh, hired someone to kill her ex-husband. Now they were married uh, and they had two daughters and uh, she lived an amazing life and she was uh, the Lady Gucci as they used to call her and uh, she had the most um, uh, famous friends including Jackie Kennedy Onassis and uh, uh, she was living in New York and uh, they they were living this amazing uh, life and she was a trendsetter herself and she was a neat woman uh, herself as far as the fashion world and uh, she had this uh, position in the world of fashion as being the wife of Maurizio Gucci of the famous Gucci family and they had so much money and then uh, at some point Maurizio decided that he didn't want to be married to her anymore and uh, he left her and he had his uh, friend uh, tell her all about it because he didn't even have the you know, the the gods to tell her that uh, he wanted out of the marriage, according to the myths and the legends of the fashion world. Uh, This is how it happened. So um, she was devastated, Patricia, and she was telling everybody she wanted her husband to be dead. She wanted to kill her husband, but no one took her seriously. That's how the story goes. he had a couple of affairs, uh, relationships after, but the second relationship that he had, he wanted to marry that famous woman. I don't know her name, but uh, he was living together with her and uh, he wanted um, to marry her. So uh, the first wife, Patricia, didn't like that. So she paid someone to take care of him. <laughs> and he was being taken care of by being murdered and his wife Patricia served 16 years in jail for hiring that hitman to murder her husband so that was really a very big drama part of the Gucci saga okay so it was sad it was really sad really sad so let's go back to Don Melo, who happened to be actually, I used to, to work with her back in the day uh, because we used to uh, share the same uh, uh, office in uh, the building where I had my, my jewelry, uh, my studio, because eventually after Gucci, she became a consultant. So I used to see her all the time. And by, by, by coincidence, she also lived in my neighborhood. Um, in New York City on the east side midtown so I used to see her a lot uh, the famous Don Mello because at that time she really achieved a lot of um, um, fame uh, huge fame in the fashion world and I have a personal story to share with you because I have a neighbor he's uh, British an elderly man and um, He's very social and he always invites people uh, for drinks. And uh, at one point, after uh, Don Melo passed away, I have seen it in, uh, in uh, the New York Times, um, 
he invite, he's my next door neighbor. Uh, so we live on the, on the same floor. So he was like, oh, this woman must have been very, very famous. Uh, I had her here for, uh, for a couple of uh, drinks, you know, uh, friendly neighborhood drinks. Uh, uh, and she, she was, I don't know who she was. She must have been a very famous model or something. And I didn't know that he was talking about her, but she was only, she was very famous in the neighborhood of being that famous and, uh, and to be like uh, a celebrity in my neighborhood. And I was like, are you talking about Don Mello? He says, yes, how did he know her? Well, you know, I used to work in the same building. And furthermore, when I was working at uh, Bergdorf's back in the day, at the very, very, very beginning of my career, uh, she was uh, the CEO, so I know her personally. Oh, I didn't know that she was that famous because I had her over my apartment for uh, drinks with her um, caretaker. I guess she was elderly now, so... Um, oh really? Can you imagine me walking out of my apartment and, and looking at uh, uh, Don Melo? <laughs> what a small world! So that was the story, my personal story with Don Melo. And um, uh, yes, she she did have the uh, office in the same office building uh, that I used to 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 have my my. Uh, showroom for for over 10 years and when she left uh, everybody had to vacate uh, because they were demolishing the building but she left her lease ended I I, I thought um, before mine because she left like a year before I had to go uh, to close my my showroom and move Uh, so uh, so uh, one of my friends that was um, working in the building and taking care of the management and all that he's like do you want to see her her um, showroom or her office because this uh, uh, this is maybe available for a year and I'm like yes I would like to see it so so because it was a bigger space so I could have done that but uh, I decided not to but however when I went there um, there were a lot of things left over from her office from her business uh, a lot of boxes and some I don't know some pieces of furniture and some artwork but very inexpensive things that she didn't want to take with her she just left them behind but I saw a huge crystal in one of the shelves it was all dusted it was like a big crystal huge maybe like 12 inches by by uh, 10 like those crystals uh, the agate crystals quartz quartz crystals and because I was in the jewelry business and I love crystals and semi-precious rocks I took he said you can take it if you like so I took it and uh, of course I cleansed it and uh, had it in my office I still do and uh, that was hers <laughs> so it was interesting <laughs> I had to share that story with you because I thought you would like it so yes Don Mello she was hired in November 1989 I used to uh, I, I, I used to know her uh, in the, after she left Gucci obviously so she was a uh, the executive vice president and the chief designer at the time. So what she did, she had to reorganize the company. She uh, reduced the number of stores from over 1,000 to 180. Uh, in a move to rebuild the brand's exclusivity, she didn't want Gucci all over the place. She also reduced the numbers uh, of items that they were sold by Gucci from 22,000, okay, most of them trademarked, uh, licensed, to 7,000. She revived the bamboo bag uh, and the Gucci loafer, so she reintroduced uh, all the classic pieces that uh, they were really the most important pieces that made Gucci Gucci. Um, she moved Gucci's headquarters back from Milan to Florence. That's the original place uh, where the history of Gucci is deeply rooted. Don Melo hired the famous designer Tom Ford to oversee the women's ready-to-wear collection. So in 1994, Tom Ford was named creative director of Gucci. Ford and Melo 
revisited the 1970s and guess what they're doing it again my darlings with a new collection <laughs> but I'm jumping ahead they revisited the 1970s archives of the brand Ford's 1995 collection which included the sensual white dresses with provocative cutouts became an instant hit with celebrities and all the influencers revived the Gucci brand was revived through the hot bought hedonism of Tom Ford's creations At that time, Gucci also launched provocative products in limited editions such as uh, silver handcuffs, a G string, and a provocative ad campaign, um, many campaigns at the time such as the G logo shaved of pubic hair. We all have seen that, right? It was very creative at the time and very sexualized. Domenico de, de Sole, Domenico de Sol, I don't know how to pronounce, I think, to pronounce, I think it's Domenico de Sol, legal advisor to the Gucci family since the 1980s uh, and CEO of Gucci since 1994, uh, campaigned for Gucci's leather manufacturers in Italy to keep working together and developed a partner's program to strengthen their ties. He reviewed the pricing of each product and gradually raised Gucci's advertising budget from 6 million in 1993 to 70 million in 1997. In October 1995, the company was publicly indexed in the New York Stock Exchange with an initial stock value of US uh, $22. Then, from 1995 to 1997, InvestCorp sold its interest in Gucci uh, at around uh, uh, 1.9 billion. So, I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to tell you in the next segment what happened after that. Uh, the next challenges and the next struggles and the next uh, reinvention and uh, the next uh, hot era of Gucci and we're going to continue with uh, the spring 2023 I'm sorry 2024 collection my review and uh, my final words about Gucci I have decided to make this a two-part uh, episode because uh, I talk a lot and Gucci is huge and I have so many stories to tell you and uh, so much information to share. So I'm going to make this episode uh, the early years of Gucci and then on the following episode, which I will post right away, so you can uh, hear the Gucci story together if you like in two episodes. Um, it's going to be the later years of Gucci. So. Stay tuned for the next episode.